Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Luke, where we on, man? Run it back. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and asking <laughs> if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Run it back, baby. That's right. You heard the clip of Lucas Williamson and new Loyola Chicago head coach Drew Valentine talking about running it back. The seniors, except Cameron Crutwig, are coming back for the Loyola Ramblers next year. Keith Clemens, Ahir Ugwak, Tate Hall, and reigning Missouri Valley Conference Defensive Player of the Year Lucas Williamson are all returning. It has been a big week for Coach Valentine and the Loyola Ramblers. I'm going to talk about it all with you right here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Awesome to be back with you. We have a jam-packed show this week. Last week, at this time, Drew Valentine did not have a full staff in place. We did not know if any of the seniors were coming back. And now here we are, seven days later. The coaching staff is rounded out. We know who's coming back. We have some expectations for the Missouri Valley Conference. I have some ideas on rotations for next year. There is so much to talk about for the next hour. I am so excited. Again, I wish I could take calls, but this working remote thing does not work for taking phone calls. So in the meantime, shoot me a tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven on Twitter. I got a few submissions on Friday after it was announced that some of the seniors were coming back for Loyola. If you have any thoughts during the show, please, please, please chime in. I promise I will read as many as I can. Well, let's start from the beginning of the week. On Tuesday... It was announced that Drew Valentine rounded out his coaching staff. Full staff was announced in a press release. Here's who we've got. As I talked about last week on this show, Amaro Morgan is on staff for Coach Drew as an assistant coach. Sean Dwyer comes to Rogers Park from Cincinnati. Patrick Wallace gets promoted from video coordinator. Dan Hipscher from Oakland is the special advisor to the head coach. I love that hire, by the way. London DeCubo stays put as director of basketball operations, and former Drake Bulldog C.J. Rivers is Loyola's video coordinator. First of all, before I get any further, shout out to Patrick Williams, or Patrick Williams, Patrick, I've been watching too much Bulls basketball, Patrick Wallace, really happy for Pat, he was video coordinator the last couple years, awesome dude, I am really happy that he gets this promotion to assistant coach, like, I'm, I'm really, really happy for Pat, and I'm happy London staying at Rogers Park. He played at Loyola, joined Porter Moser's staff right away. He's director of basketball operations again. 
I'm really happy those two are st- sticking around. And also, Amaro Morgan is a great hire. I have talked to a bunch of people around college basketball, just what getting a sense of what this coaching staff brings. Amaro Morgan is a great recruiter. And we know how good a recruiter Drew Valentine is, because obviously he got these seniors to come back, and he got all of Porter Moser's recruits to stick around at Loyola. Now having Drew and Amaro Morgan as your recruiters, that's really, really strong for the recruiting trail. Sean Dwyer, I don't know much about him other than he's very well regarded. He's a Michigan State guy. Uh, he's been on John Brandon's staff basically since John Brandon became a coach. And he seems pretty well regarded. It's a, that's a good hire. I think that's going to be one of those under-the-radar hires. C.J. Rivers, again, played at Drake from 2014 to 2018. I remember when he played at Drake. I saw the name. like, I know the name C.J. Rivers. It's because he played at Drake during my time at the Loyola Phoenix as Loyola basketball writer. And Dan Hipsher, I really like that hire because it brings in the experience. He's a special advisor to the head coach, which is a perfect position for him. I want to say he retired from Oakland after 2019. So having him come back as a special advisor instead of an assistant coach, because he was associate head coach at Oakland, remember. I really like that hire. Brings in the mentor with the experience, because obviously Drew Valentine, all of 29 years old, almost 30 years old, has not been a head coach before. Having someone like Dan Hipsher come on staff, that is an awesome hire. I'm really glad Drew could get him. So that's the coaching staff for Drew Valentine next season. That seems like a really solid staff on paper. Not that I thought... It'd be a bad staff, but I mean, between Amaro Morgan, Sean Dwyer, and Dan Hipsher especially, that's a really, really strong staff for Drew Valentine's first season as head coach at Loyola. Now, Thursday of this week, Cameron Crutwig announces he's declaring for the NBA draft, pursuing professional opportunities, and will not return to Loyola. Now, Crut is not on any NBA mock drafts, at least that I've seen. But I expect him to get a few workouts, especially with his game being similar to Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. Maybe that could be where the game is going. Maybe he'll get some looks. Maybe he'll get a contract. I expect Krutwig to go over to Europe, honestly. I expect him to light it up in Europe a little bit and then maybe get an NBA opportunity. But really happy for Cam that he's going into the professional basketball world. And I wish him all the best. I mean, you talk about Loyola legend. He is the epitome of Loyola legend. Now, we get to Friday, and that video clip, that clip you heard in the intro was from a video that the Loyola Men's Basketball Twitter account put out by Austin Hansen. More awesome work from Austin. I mean, this guy just doesn't miss. I feel like every time he does a video, it is just gold, and this one is no exception. He said this was Coach Drew's idea to have the seniors answering their phone and Drew calling them, and they're all saying, I'm in, let's go, and at the end you hear Lucas Williamson saying, run it back. But it answered the biggest question of the offseason. Who was coming back? Because as we've talked about on the show before, in this COVID-19 environment, the NCAA gave a one-time deal where any anyone that's playing in 2020-2021 can get an extra year of eligibility. It's not just the seniors. This is going to be a question we had the next few years. So the seniors this year, Across college basketball, the question was, are they going to come back or are they going to try and go pro? You heard Cameron Crowick's decision. He's going to go play professionally. And his number 25 is going to be hanging in the rafters at Genteel someday. I am confident in that. Hopefully sooner than later. I had heard rumblings all week about who was coming back. 
And I thought to myself, you know, I could put something out there, but it's their, this was their announcement. This was not my news to share. This was the player's announcement. This was their deal. Clemens, Uguak, Hall, Williamson, all coming back for Drew Valentine. That is awesome, especially because there's been a coaching change. And you worry with a coaching change at all whether players are going to transfer out, who who might come back, who maybe is on the fence. The fact that Drew Valentine got all the freshmen to stay in their letters of intent, both Ivy League transfers, Ryan Schwieger and Chris Knight, to stay. He got St. Thomas to commit, which was huge. And now he has the four seniors coming back. This is why you promote from within right here. I know people on Twitter, I said it too. Part of me wishes Loyola would have done a full search, maybe brought in like an Archie Miller type, someone who's had success at a really good mid-major program. And Because this job at Loyola is now considered a good job. And I think Loyola could have, I think Steve Watson could have done a nationwide search. But that would have been more for the success part of it. This promoting Drew Valentine is for the culture part of it and the basketball success. You look at them both and you're seeing why I'm not sure you get these four guys to come back. If you do a nationwide search and go outside the program, I think by promoting Drew Valentine to head coach, you are, as the hashtag says, committing to the culture. You are keeping consistency in the philosophies, you are picking up where Porter Moser left off, and you're not changing everything drastically, and that's why you can get these four players to come back, including the Defensive Player of the Year, one of the most improved team nominees and all-defense nominee, a JUCO national champion, and a former All-Missouri Valley third-team player to come back to your team. This is exactly why you promote from within. It makes the Drew Valentine promotion look that much better that these guys are coming back. But now we have to look at the roster itself because it's not just these four guys. These four guys are not going to make the team. And when I say make the team, I mean they are not going to be the identity of this team. The identity for next year's Loyola Ramblers, and I know it's only April, almost May. we still got a while yet before the season can start. We've got probably six months until we're close to the season starting. But right now, on paper, the identity for this Loyola team is going to be its depth. You got, again, these four guys, these four experienced players, including one with Final Four experience, coming back next season. You have Braden Norris, who put himself on the map this past year. The transfer from Oakland who lit it up, or as Pat McAfee called him, the Loyola Chuck Norris dude. You've got him. You've got Marquise Kennedy, who's absolutely electric and would start for any other team in the Valley. I am confident in that. You've got Jacob Hudson, who burst onto the scene after not expecting to play this year, who's going to be your big man of the future. Add in Ty Johnson from DePaul Prep, who's lights out an awesome point guard. He'll be a great backup this year to Keith Clemens. You've got Ben Schwieger, 
from Aurora, who's going to be really, really good. He's got to develop a little bit more. He's got to develop a little more. But I think he's going to be a really good player as well. You've got Chris Knight, former second team, all Ivy League big man coming in. When I say big man, he's, I want to say Chris Knight is, what, is he 6'9"? Is that how tall he is? Either way, he can play. He's 6'7". I'm sorry. I thought he was smaller. He's 6'7", but he plays big. You've got him coming in. You've got Ryan Schwieger coming in from the Ivy League. He's a solid player. He's going to bring great experience, and he can, he can do some work on the floor. And also keep in mind, you have Tom Welch off the bench who took a big leap this year. I think he's going to continue to take a leap. And you have Paxson Wojcik. That's a roster. Now, here are my predictions for the rotations. And If you think I'm right or wrong, shoot me a tweet, Nick Schultz underscore seven. Or you can slide into my DMs. I, I don't care. I check them both. My tweet deck is open during the show every week. I think your starting lineup is going to look Keith Clemens, Braden Norris, Lucas Williamson, Ahir Uguak, just like it was last year. I wouldn't change a thing. But I think you go small and put Chris Knight at the five. Here's why. I've watched some film on Chris Knight. I watched a little more before I came on the air today. He's 6'7". Drew put out in the press release the Andre Jackson comparison. I watched some film. I think the Andre Jackson comparisons for Chris Knight are not so much moves under the basket. He's not going to have Andre's trademark reverse layup. Chris's strength is his footwork. You know, I watch some of these some of these highlights and I watch him go up against bigger guys and he uses he, the way he uses his feet to maneuver around some of these big guys. I mean, he was down low. He was playing the five. And I think he can play bigger than 6'7", which is why I think Chris Knight jumps into the starting lineup right away as a graduate transfer from Dartmouth. Your second unit. Now, if it was me, I mean, I've never, I mean, I played basketball in sixth grade and was terrible. There's a reason I'm talking about it now. When I play with my friends, the only thing I'm good at is defense. I can't make a shot. I've never coached basketball. I've never had the desire to coach basketball. I just like talking about it. But if it was me making the calls here, I would pull from the John Calipari playbook and have basically two lines to mix sports references, be like a hockey team, have two lines. Your second unit, who you could do five in, five out easily. Ty Johnson at the point. Marquise Kennedy at the two. Tate Hall at the three. I think Tate needs to continue to come off the bench. He was, he was effective off the bench after starting, after transferring from Indy. I think he needs to continue to come off the bench. Ryan Schwieger will be at your quote-unquote four. And Jacob Hudson at the five. I think Hudson, I think Huddy needs to come off the bench again just because Chris Knight is that good. But I think Huddy can easily, I think, I think if Drew wanted to put Knight on the bench, he could. As I, think, I think Huddy could start. But right now, given that extra year, and you also need another big man. Because I'd rather, in this lineup right here, in that, in that starting lineup, you've got Keith Clemens who can shoot, 
Braden Norris, who can do a little bit of everything. Lucas Williamson, who's a great defender and can also shoot. You've got Ahir Ugwak, who's a great defender and, and is coming into his own. And you've got Chris Knight, who can maneuver well on offense. You've got That's a strong defensive lineup. It's a small lineup. That second unit, you can go big. Because you've got Johnson, who's, again, electric. Kennedy, who's electric. Hall, who can shoot. He struggled a little bit during this during this past year, but that's okay. Ryan Schwieger, who's, again, he's going to be a good role player, I think. He's not going to be, like, lights out. And Jacob Hudson at the five. I think you go small to big, or depending on the team, you can go big to small. Either way, Loyola's going to be fine. And also off the bench, you've got Welch, Wojcik, and Ben Schwieger. Now, Ben Schwieger's a highly touted recruit. I know that. Former volleyball player, great athlete. I think he's. I think he needs to take this year to focus on development. We also have Demisi Anderson in here, the transfer from Indiana this past year, who didn't play a lot of minutes. He was on the gold team, so he could also jump into this rotation easily. I think he could be effective. It's just a matter. I don't know his game very well, so maybe he could jump in for Ryan Schwieger in that second unit because Demisi is a great athlete. You saw it in the minutes he got this year that he. Started looking comfortable later in the year. I mean, former four-star recruit. I think he could fit into this rotation pretty easily. I just don't know how he's developed in this, obviously, in this COVID year. I haven't seen much of Demise Anderson because I didn't get to go to any workouts or anything. But don't forget about him. So you've got Welch, Wojcik, Ben Schwieger, and Demise Anderson who can also jump in here. I think the odd man out in that second unit is Ryan Schwieger. I think Ty Johnson's your backup point guard. I mean, he's going to be very much a Marquise Kennedy type in terms of his impact as a freshman. So I think Demise could jump into that second unit with Johnson, Kennedy, Hall, and Hudson. Again, it is super early to be talking about this. We've got six months until there's any even build-up to a season. But with this announcement, you can't tell me you're not thinking about this stuff. Because this is huge that you're getting all of these guys back in addition to all of these recruits. And St. Thomas. I can't believe I didn't have St. Thomas on this list. Yeah, you got, you got St. Thomas here too. That's another great athlete. See, here's the good problem that Drew Valentine has for this next year. I mean, I'm, you've, you've heard me. I'm forgetting names on here. The depth is going to be the identity of this team. I don't know if you're going to have anyone average more than probably 25 minutes. Would you play anyone more than 25 minutes on these names I just read? Now, let's also keep in mind, we don't know Drew Valentine's system. Is it going to be the same as Porter Moser's? I I mean, I hope it's not copy-paste. I would hope Drew would bring his his own flair to it. But we don't know how that offense is going to run. We know he, Drew was the defensive coordinator for Loyola the last couple of years. The defense is going to be the same. Especially with Williamson and Ugwa coming back, I don't expect the defense to change much, if at all. Because that was Drew's game plan. On offense, I'm not sure what his system's going to be. But either way, that is a loaded roster right there. And Jonah Blatt, the Bishop Emeritus of Blurs. What's up, Jonah? 
Uh, he said the one game Demise played in this season, he flashed some insane ability. The former four-star recruit could shake up plans for the lineup, TBH. Yeah, I agree. Again, you, I didn't have his name out here. <laughs> he can easily shake things up. I could take this piece of paper, because I do everything on paper for the show. I know I'm weird. I use paper. You know, what is this, 1998? I could take this piece of paper I have right here and crumple it up, burn it, because it won't be right. That could easily happen with how this team's going to be this year. I mean, between St. Thomas, Demise Anderson, and Ben Schwieger, you got some talented. You got two talented freshmen and a talented recruit who didn't play a lot of minutes last year. That's a good problem to have if you're Drew Valentine. So again, I don't expect any. I don't expect any of these players to play more than 25 minutes a game this year. You're going to see them, obviously. I mean, you're going to have the games, especially in conference play, 31, 32. I mean. Or if you're Braden Norris, you're going to play 43 minutes in a 40-minute game because he just will not come out of that. He just will not come out of the game. But I would expect the minutes distribution to be pretty even among these guys. That's going to be a deep rotation. And, I mean, I'm excited. That's why I'm talking about this now. Because I'm excited for this team. Now, is Loyola the clear-cut favorite in the Valley, though? It's a trick question. There's never a clear-cut favorite in the Valley. I mean, even with who we've got, I wrote this column over my blog at Out the Inbound. I wrote this on Friday after the announcement that Loyola's seniors are coming back. Think about who's coming back in the Valley this next year. You heard Williamson is. How about Gage Prim? How about Tank Hemphill? How about Trey Burhow? How about A.J. Green coming off an injury? The Valley's going to be loaded, and I don't think there's going to be a clear-cut favor. Because on paper, on paper, this past year, 2020-2021, Loyola should have been the clear-cut favorite. The Ramblers did not lead the Valley until the last day of the season when they won the title. That's how crazy the Valley is. That's why it was a two-bid league. Now, next year, as I wrote in the column, we can start talking two-bid Valley again because it can happen. Maybe even three-bid Valley. I don't care. Like, you know, let's just forget all logic. Let's say three, four-bid Valley. Let's do it. I mean, I'm all for that. Do not get me wrong. I would be so, so, so happy with a three-bid Valley. So I told you what Loyola's got going for it. Northern Iowa has Trey Burhau coming back, as I said. A.J. Green is going to be back, hopefully, full strength after his hip injury. I mean, he missed all of the season after getting hurt in the third game. I haven't heard an update on A.J. in a while, but I would expect the former NBC Player of the Year to come back strong after the injury. Antoine Kimmins is joining the roster again. Austin Fife is still around. Taiwan Pickford is coming back. Bowen Bourne will be back. Don't sleep on Northern Iowa this year. Because I don't. they won't have the depth Loyola has. I mean, no team in the Valley will have the depth that Loyola has. But Northern Iowa has the firepower to make up for it. Do not sleep on the Northern Iowa Panthers. Drake. What more can you say? Tank Hemphill, DJ Wilkins, Noah Thomas, Roman Penn. 
Yeah, they lost Joe Yesifu, who transferred to Kansas, which I that just cannot believe he parlayed MVC sixth band of the year, Missouri Valley sixth band of the year, and a great NCAA tournament game to a transfer to Kansas. But they replaced him really well with a transfer from Omaha named Io Ak- I think it's Akinwole, Akinwole. Someone correct me on that, please. Uh, I don't know if my buddy Connor's listening, the biggest Drake fan I know. Can, if you can help me with that pronunciation, that'd be great. Either way, Drake is looking really good again. Also, don't forget Tucker DeVries. Darren DeVries' son is coming in as a freshman. That's a really good player. Drake's going to be a force again. Especially if they can stay healthy and stay at full strength. Keep an eye on them. Missouri State. They've got Gage Prim and Isaiah Mosley together again. Donovan Clay transferred from Valpo to Missouri State. That's a good get for Dana Ford. Now, I'm not sure. I know the NCAA gave the waiver for the one-time transfer, which don't get me started on it. I'm going to try my best not to go on a rant about that. I know they gave the one-time waiver The one-time transfer, you don't have to sit out. I don't know how it works in league. I've been meaning to ask Mike Kern about it, but time got away from me. So assuming if if Donovan Clay can be eligible immediately, you're going to have Mosley, Clay, and Prim on the court together. Missouri State looked like it was starting to turn a corner last year. And I think the only person in the league who could match up well with Gage Prim was Cameron Crutwig. Well, Crutwig's gone. So I think Prim is now your premier big man. Add in Isaiah Mosley, who's a great scorer. He's going to go on in the NBA someday, probably. Donovan Clay, I mean, he's he's a good two-way player. He's one of the better two-way players in the league. Him, he playing for Missouri State now? That's, that's I mean... I don't even know what to say. I can't describe how good of a get that was for Dana Ford. That's your top four. I am not going to even try to predict an order right now. Because again, what I can do, I could write down an order here and I would just crumple up the piece of paper, burn it, because it'd be way off. Never forget. This was October 2017. I was getting my preseason ballot together for the preseason poll. I'm at the Chicagoland tip-off lunch at Maggiano's. And, I mean, it's Loyola, DePaul, Chicago State, UIC, Northwestern. They are all there. Was, I mean, COVID wasn't even an idea yet, so we were all there. It was big, big luncheon. One of my favorite events I've ever attended is the Chicagoland tip-off lunch in the past, what, three times they've had it. I've been there. I go up to Porter Moser. I ask him on the record. I still have the sound bite. I ask him, okay, I'm filling out my preseason ballot. You or Missouri State, who's going to be first? He gave me this long answer about why Missouri State should have been in first. Why Missouri State's going to win the league. Or why they're, why they're one of the better teams in the league. Why I should pick them first. Anyone know what happened in the 2017-2018 season? I'll let you go look at the history books and get back to me. Or if you don't want to look at the history books, I'll just tell you. Missouri State played on Thursday at Arch Madness. That year, Paul Lusk was fired after that season. Loyola, meanwhile, won the league handily, swept through Arch Madness, and made the Final Four. 
this league is unpredictable. But I am fairly confident that your top four teams will be some combination of Loyola, Drake, Northern Iowa, and Missouri State. Now, do not be surprised if a team like Valpo sneaks in. I think they're your fifth team. Valpo's done some work this offseason. They have gotten some big-time transfers. They had a Big Ten transfer this week from Wisconsin. Valpo's doing work. So do not be surprised if Valpo maybe makes a run at that top four. So I think those are your top four teams. For, like, There's not really – I had my tiers last year. I'm going to get those together through the offseason. So here, here's what happened this week with Valpo. They got Joe Hedstrom, seven-foot center from Wisconsin, to commit. They also signed Thomas, I think it's Kithier, Kithier, 6'8 power forward to sign. They've also got Kevion Taylor as a verbal commit, listed via verbal commits. Trevor Anderson is also on here as a graduate transfer. Yet two graduate transfers coming in. Sure, they lost Donovan Clay. They're building. Ben Crickey's still there as well. Do not sleep on Valpo, especially. Like, don't sleep on any of these teams to win the league. Watch out for Valpo come Arch Madness. You're going to remember this clip, save this clip, April 25th, 2021, 11.29 a.m. Watch out for Valpo at Arch Madness. Is it way too early to be talking about this? Yes, absolutely. Again, we have six months until the season. But is it still fun? Yeah, absolutely, because I'm having a really good time right now, and I hope it's coming across in my voice, and I'm really excited for this basketball season already. We've hit the bottom of the hour. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from my garage in beautiful Dwight, Illinois, small town USA. If you want to chime in on the conversation, shoot me a tweet at NickSchultz underscore seven. Again, I wish I could take calls, but I cannot because we're working remotely even through the summer. We just got word. Through the summer, we are working remote, so no phone calls. So keep shooting me some tweets. I have a few from Friday that I will read later on in the show. And even Jonah Blatt chimes in again here in my DMs. You can tweet me or you can slide in my DMs. I don't care. I check them both. Jonah says some variation of LUC, Northern Iowa, and Drake is probably the preseason top three. I mean, I would agree with that, but don't – I mean, watch out for Missouri State. Yeah, he even says maybe Mo State if they build off of last season. I think they will. Because, again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The only big man who could effectively match up with Gage Prim was Cameron Crutwig. Someone tell me another big man in the league that could have effectively matched up with Gage Prim this past year. Seriously, I'll wait. I want someone to, to make me a good argument. I want just a, you know, I, I don't want just a so-so argument. I want a good, solid argument for any big man in this league to have matched up with Gage Prim this past year, besides Cameron Crowick. I don't think there is one. I think Crut and Prim was the big man matchup it was the best big man matchup we were going to get. 
Now with Crutwig gone, it's Prim's show. And that's why maybe Missouri State. I might be a little too high on the Bears this year. And obviously I'm talking Missouri State because I sure as hell am not talking about the Chicago Bears. I might be a little too high on Missouri State this year. But you know what? That's a really good team. And I think Dana Ford is a better coach than he gets credit for sometimes. So yeah, Missouri State's going to be making a run at that top spot as well. Multi-bid Valley? Yeah, we'll go ahead and say it. Multi-bid Valley. I'm going to I'm going to say that. I'm not even going to stop it, too. Let's talk about three bids. Why not? What is stopping us? Is it going to be tough? Yes. Is it reasonable to expect it? Probably not. But you're going to have one team, for sure, get the automatic bid from Arch Madness. I think if it's any of these four teams, or even the three teams, Loyola, Drake, Northern Iowa, Assuming non-conference goes well, because a lot's going to be determined by non-conference. Like We can talk about what's going to happen in conference play all we want. Non-conference play is going to determine the strength of the league. Case in point. Let's go back to this past year. Drake, undefeated in non-con. Loyola, solid in non-con. Lost to Wisconsin, lost to Richmond, didn't have the marquee victory, but still, the metrics were there. And on the flip side, you have Bradley, who had a really good non-conference schedule and could not, and they just didn't perform in conference play and ended up playing on Thursday at Arch Madness. But either way, non-conference play this next year is going to be huge when we're talking about the potential of a multi-bid valley. Could it be three bids? It's been a long time, but yeah, it could. The game has changed since it was a three-bid valley last. And when I say the game has changed, I mean we're relying more on the analytics and the metrics and the net. The The RPI is gone. The net is here. We're relying on the net. We're looking at efficiency. We're looking at Kent Palm. There's all these numbers that we're looking at now. I don't know if it's going to be entirely feasible, but as a fan, I hope it happens. Now, let's get to some some tweets from the other day, because I sent out on my Twitter, I wanted to hear from Loyola fans after the announcement that Loyola seniors were coming back. And when I say the seniors are coming back, I'm talking about everyone except Cameron Crutwick because I'm I'm just gonna keep. It's just easier to call them the seniors because yeah, Crutwick's going pro. So let's see what we've got. We've got a uh, wake me up eleven four twenty twenty. Says so excited. Jen B says thrilled and can't wait to go to a game. That's the other thing. They're coming back and I'm hopefully hopefully we can go to games again. Because that sucked this year. Because that was a really, really good Loyola team. I remember being on the air with you when it was coming time for the end of 2019-2020. Talking about how I wish I could be there for 2020-2021. Because I obviously graduated last May. Coming up on a year since I graduated, which is crazy. But 
I said at the time that I wanted to be here for the 2021 season because that's going to be a really good team. Hey, guess who was right on that one? Maybe I should have gone into meteorology. But now with these guys coming back, 2022 is going to be just special. And hopefully we can all go back to Gentile Arena again and watch a game. I'm really, really hoping that that's a possibility with the vaccines coming out and everything. So, yeah, I also I agree with you, Jen. I can't wait to go to a game either. Buck Wargo chimes in. What I expected, all but Crutwig, who will play pro ball somewhere. With players coming in, they will be better even without Crutwig. You know, I could see the case for better. The thing is, I, I just keep going back to it. We don't know Drew's system. We don't know Drew's offense. We know the defense is going to be as strong as it was. The defense isn't changing. We don't know what the offense is going to look like. So I'm not sure if I'm ready to go out there and say Loyola will be better even without Crutwig. I think right now, knowing what we know, knowing how these players can play, how Drew Valentine is as a coach, I think if you're looking at the level Loyola was at last year, I think I think they've made up for the loss of Crutwig. Whether they're better or not, I want to see how this offense works first. And I've got another response here. I'm going to butcher this name. I am so sorry. Is it Sheck? S-C-H-E-C-H 10? Uh, chimes in, very curious what combination of players Valentine will use together. Working in the freshman will also be a challenge. Yes, as you heard me say in my rotations, I forgot names. They can go small with Norris, Kennedy, Clemens, Williamson, and Crutwig. Or with Crutwig. At night at center. Big with Hutt, Ugwak, Hall, Williamson, and St. Thomas. Working in Schwieger and Ty Johnson. There's going to be a lot of different combinations. And I... I'm so interested to see what combinations Drew goes with. Andy Reuter, I think that's how you pronounce your name, Andy, uh, says, excited, super excited. Only worry is Kennedy. He should be a starter, but not now. Hope Coach plays him 25-plus minutes and keeps him happy. Oh, I expect Marquise to play plenty of minutes, especially off the bench, because with these units you've got, with these two units you've got going right now, like, I would expect no one to play more than maybe 26, 27 minutes a game. But I think Marquise, what he can bring off the bench, I think he can be your leader of that second unit. I think he can be, I think he's going to be your first off the bench. I think he can be sixth man of the year again. And I think he's going to be like an Andre Jackson type. Here's another Andre Jackson comparison. But what I mean, obviously I'm not talking about his game as a player because Andre was a big. He was six, 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 seven big down low. He played bigger than he was. But what he did, Andre played starter minutes off the bench. Marquise is the same way. He's going to play starter minutes off the bench. It's just the way the lineup's going to be constructed, he's not going to start. And that's okay. He was listed, Porter called him one of the quote-unquote seven starters this past year. It was your starting five and then Tate Hall and Marquise Kennedy. Marquise is not forgotten. Let's make that crystal clear here. Marquise is not forgotten. We know how good he is. We know we admit he would start on basically every other team in the league. So yeah, 25 plus minutes. Yeah, I could see that off the bench. Because again, 
Porter did that with Andre Jackson. And I could see Marquise doing the same thing in terms of minutes distribution off the bench. He's going to start one day. If these four seniors didn't come back, he'd be starting this next year. But with these guys coming back, things get shuffled around. And again, I hope hopefully Drew can keep him happy, as you say. But I think he's going to get the minutes he needs. I don't... You know, when Porter was here, he'd talk about the, the quote from Rick Majerus, which he all, if, if you hear me talk about a quote from Rick Majerus from Porter Moser, it was basically every press conference, believe me. I've, I've known the guy for five years now, and I'm pretty sure I've heard a Majerus quote in all but like maybe five of his press conferences. And one of his favorites is startings for high school. Look at Patrick Williams on the Bulls. This time I got the right Patrick. Patrick Williams on the Bulls. He was the number four overall pick. In last year's draft. He's doing work for Billy Donovan and the Bulls. ACC, sixth man of the year. Came off the bench for Leonard Leonard Hamilton. You don't have to start to be effective. And that's where Marquise is going to thrive. I think Marquise coming off the bench is extremely effective. Got a couple more DMs here. I have one from... P1 listener Steve Timble says, uh, me and my son are going to going to the Swing for Things baseball tournament. Can you wish us luck against Crystal Lake? Absolutely. Good luck. I love youth baseball. We're a baseball family. My sister plays softball. She just won. They had a doubleheader on Friday. They won them both. It was a walk-off. So, yeah, we're a big, big baseball softball family. So, yeah, good luck against Crystal Lake. And uh, what are your thoughts about redshirting on some of the freshmen? Yeah, see, now we can we can finally talk about redshirting. Because last year, there really wasn't any room to talk about redshirting because everyone was getting a free year, it seemed like, from the NCAA. Could redshirting the freshman be an option? I could see it, especially with the rotations I've laid out for you. I think the one who would benefit the most from a potential redshirt year on the gold squad would be Ben Schwiger. And that's just because he seems like, I mean, I've watched the film from what I've heard about him. He seems like a raw talent right now. And given the success that Coach Moser had with red shirts and development, I think the staff that's in place now, especially obviously Drew on top, but with like Sean Dwyer and even Patrick Wallace. And I mean, you can't forget Amaro Morgan. I mean, that's a given. I think the staff is going to be conducive to development. So I could see redshirting some freshmen. I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, I think the ones, I think the only one that I would even consider redshirting would be Schwager just because he's so raw. I mean, Ty Johnson's good. He can, he can do it all. You saw it at DePaul Prep. He's a local kid. You saw it firsthand. And St. Thomas, you're not, you're not redshirting a recruit the caliber of St. Thomas. That's not happening. Like, you, you don't get a Max Preps All-American, Max Preps Nebraska High School Player of the Year, and redshirt him. So the only one I could see that happening is Ben Schwieger. We'll see on that. That's just a question I hadn't thought about, but Steve, thanks for keeping me on my toes, and again, good luck to your son today. 
Uh, Jonah chimes in again. Got to go one more big man out of the, or got to get one more big man out of the portal. Sometimes you're going to have to play big in the Valley and it can't just be Huddy. Yeah, I said that earlier. They still need a big guy. Like that's going to factor in big time to the rotation. Like, yeah, Chris Knight plays big. He's six, seven. He can play the five in the small ball rotation. He plays big. He doesn't play that big. Chris Knight is not going to match up against Gage Prim. Jacob Hudson maybe could because you saw the work he did on Kofi Coburn against Illinois, which was very impressive. So maybe Huddy could, but you need you need another one. You need another big guy. This sounds very similar. This conversation sounds similar to when Crutwig came in and Porter went out and got a little-known grad transfer named Carson Shanks. Big fudge. I love big fudge. Like, Carson's a good dude. He's coaching at Minnesota Duluth now. He's a good buddy. I love that guy. And he was going to kind of fill in that role, it seemed like, when he signed, but he get he got bit by the injury bug bad and turned into, like, a mentor type, which I still stand by. You don't have Cameron Crutwig turn into what he turned into without Big Fudge being there in his ear in practice. So I agree. There needs to be one more big man, even if it's just, again, just a role player. Because you have to play big in the Valley, especially Prim, Hemp, Prim, Hemp Hill, Darnell Brody. You've got big guys in the Valley that you can't match up with a 6'7 big man. I don't have a name. I don't even have, I don't have anyone considering. Like, I'll check. I've got verbal commits open here. I mean, I don't even know if they've got offers out for, like, a true center. Or a combo, like, power forward center. Uh, verbal commit says no. But that doesn't mean there's nothing out there. Because verbal commits is a great website. Don't get me wrong. I use it all the time to keep track of this stuff. They can't keep track of every offer. I mean, I remember when Crutwig committed, he wasn't even on the verbal commit site. Same with Lucas Williamson. When they committed, they weren't even on verbal commits. The only one who was was Christian Negron, who I think could have turned into a really good player, if not again for the injury bug. He's doing great work for, uh, where's he at now? Grand Valley State rings a bell. I think that's where Christian's at now. Either way. Like, verbal commits can't keep up with everything, so that doesn't mean there's not an offer out there somewhere. And it could be someone like a diamond in the rough, because Lucas Williamson wasn't on verbal commits, at least Loyola's page on verbal commits, when he committed. And he's turned into one of the best players in Loyola history. Cameron Crutwick also was not on verbal commits' Loyola page when he committed. Turned into top five player in program history, maybe even top three. So we'll see where Drew goes to get that next big man. But I agree, that is the biggest need for this team right now. You've got the point guard depth. You've got your shooters. You've got your defense. You've got your small ball. You've got your big lineup. Now you just need that one more big man to round things out. And I don't know if there's really, I don't know if you want to call it a sense of urgency. But I don't know if there's a rush yet. I mean, we've still got some, how many names are we up to? Are we up to, what are we, what are we up to in the portal now? 4,000 names? 
Have we reached all of college basketball in the transfer portal yet? Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's only 1,500 names in there. 1,455 names in there. That was only a little off. Still a ridiculous number. You, you heard my thoughts on the transfer portal on here. That is just an absolutely insane number. And the NCAA is not helping by granting these stupid waivers with the one-time transfer and turning it into free agency. One of these days, maybe for next week's show, I'm going to pull the sound from the time Barry Hinson went off about the idea of a one-time transfer. About the idea of not having players sit out after transferring. Because, I mean, that was, I was on that call. I remember it was Jim Benson at the Panagraph, covers Illinois State. He asked the question. I remember thinking, oh, Jim. And Barry gave this long answer. He was yelling into the phone. He answered the question, and Mike Kern said it was the last question, and Barry started yelling on the phone again, (laughs) talking about how it's going to be the death of mid-major basketball as we know it. It's going into free agency system. If you don't think these guys are being recruited while they're playing, you believe in fairies, and Tinkerbell doesn't play in college basketball. It was gold. I have to find it. I think it's on my computer, actually. But the thing is, when I'm doing this, I can't play audio from my computer. I have to play it from the studio computer, which means I have to upload it. So I might play that for next week's show if anything else happens with the stupid transfer portal. But my point is, let's get back on, let me get the train back on the tracks here. See, Jonah, look what you did to me. (laughs) You see, you wanted your rant, you got it, okay? You wanted me to rant, you got me to rant. I got, I got to get... The train back on the track. Let's get back on topic here. There are a million different ways Drew can go to get a big man. Whether it's through the portal, which there's going to be a big man in the portal with all the names that are in there, or he can get a true freshman. I mean, I would probably recommend going back into the portal. But that's just that's just me. There are ways he can go, and I don't know if you want to rush that. It's not like we're in July and they need a big man. It is April. Things are just moving very fast for Loyola fans right now. I mean, one minute Porter Moser is the coach. The next minute he's leaving for Oklahoma. The next minute Drew Valentine's getting promoted. It all happened fast. The next minute St. Thomas commits. The next minute we have his coaching staff. The next minute the seniors are coming back. It has been a whirlwind month for Loyola basketball. So it feels like there should be a sense of urgency. But there's not. There shouldn't be, I should say. There shouldn't be. It is April 25th. You have seven months until the season can start. Six months until we can get an exhibition game. There's time. But I agree. A big man is... The biggest need for this team right now. Chris Knight can get the job done. You can play a small ball lineup. It wouldn't be the first time Loyola has played a small ball lineup. I vividly remember my freshman year. Here's a name. Mo Kirby would be in for the opening tip. And within the next two minutes, Andre Jackson would be in that game. Mo Kirby would start. He started almost every game that year. 
And I think the most minutes I ever saw Mo play in a game was 10. Because Porter would start big with the opening tip, play a little defense, and then bring in Andre Jackson, and then run that pace and space high-powered offense. So the small ball offense is nothing new to Loyola fans. It was when Cameron Crutwig came in that we started seeing the big man in there more because Crutwig is a point center. He is basically a Nikola Jokic type where he can pass. The only thing he's missing was a jump shot, but that really wasn't, it didn't impact his game at all because he was still the best player in the league, which that's going to be the one knock against him in these NBA workouts if he gets any, which I hope he does. He doesn't have a jump shot. I mean, he has one, but it's, it's not consistent enough for the NBA. He can maneuver down low. I mean, I've called him, I called him twinkle toes during his entire career at Loyola. He can maneuver, he can rebound, he can pass, he can make reverse layups, any kind of layups around the basket. He got a hook shot. He needs a mid-range jumper. He did hit one three, and it was to beat Northern Iowa at Gentile Arena. I was at that game. It was freezing cold outside, and Crutwig hit the three. So he has hit a three. He doesn't have a mid-range jumper. But the offense worked because he could pass to someone who could create that mid-range jumper or shoot the three. That's going to be the biggest change this year from the last four years is you not, you're not running your offense through the man in the middle anymore. It's going to be on Keith Clemens and Braden Norris to facilitate. I think they're going to, keep, I think they're going to switch between who's the one, who's the two. Because Braden had a couple games, especially late even in the NCAA tournament with 10 assists. So he and Keith can flip. They can switch. I think that's where you're going to see most of the facilitating now. And I don't know much about Chris Knight's passing ability. I want to say, I think I have it even in my notes. Did he lead Dartmouth in assists per game? And it wasn't a very high number. That's the good thing about me doing everything on paper is that I have all my notes handy. But yeah, I want to say Chris Knight is not as well known of a passer as, say, Crutwig. Like Crutwig was. Crutwig was known for his passing ability because you couldn't, you couldn't double team him. Because he'd find the open man. Yeah, Chris Knight only dished out two assists per game. His junior year. Because obviously the Ivy League did not play this past year because of COVID. So we're going based off his junior year stats. So he's not as well known of a passer. I would not expect, I would be very surprised if the offense ran through the five like it did with Cam Crutwig. Now those comparisons are going to be there throughout the year. Because you've had one of one of the one of the top five, top three players in program history leave in a new era starting, yet you're gonna have those comparisons all year. It's unavoidable. I wouldn't make them every game. I wouldn't, you know, keep harping on it. But you're gonna have those comparisons early. I think you're gonna see a new look to the offense. You're gonna see more of a traditional offense where it's going to run through your point guard spot, whether it be Clemens, Norris, Kennedy, Johnson, Thomas. I I don't know. 
This is where the unknowns of Drew's system raise questions. But that's why it's only April, almost May, as I said. There is time. We will find out soon enough. But for right now, we're just going to enjoy the speculation, the way too early talks. I noticed a lot of national writers when Loyola seniors said they were coming back. Were, they were tweeting about it. They were talking about Loyola. So I would expect I would expect the Ramblers to show up in the preseason AP poll because the national writers only look at familiar names from this last year. And they've got Loyola has enough familiar names from the from the Sweet 16 run that they'll be in the AP preseason poll. The Ramblers are still on the map. There's going to be a lot of Loyola talk this offseason. Never really thought I'd say there's going to be a lot of talk about Loyola during the offseason. But I guess when you make a Final Four out of nowhere, things change for a while. Because I can vividly remember games where there weren't even 1,000 fans or even 700 fans at Gentile Arena. And here we are worried about way too early polls and looking ahead to next year already. I mean, it is almost May, and I'm sitting here spending a whole hour talking Loyola basketball and Missouri Valley basketball. That is insane to me. Because usually right now I'm focused on, you know, Cubs and Sox are in full swing. The Bulls are through their roller coaster season, and also, and I've talked about Drew Valentine all day. If you go watch Denzel Valentine's like 32-foot three he took last night in a two-possession game in the final minute against Miami, I'm probably going to end up going on some sort of rant or talk about that on my podcast Wednesday on Believe in Bulls. Like, definitely check that out. Because if you've listened to this show, if you listen to that show, You'd know that I'm not exactly the biggest Denzel Valentine fan. And when I say that, I'm obviously talking about his game because, I mean, Denzel is a good dude. He is a genuinely good dude, but it just, it ain't it there. It ain't it. It's just not there. And I feel like he's trying to force shots. But I don't want to get on that right now. We got a new era of Loyola basketball starting soon. And when I say soon, I mean, obviously, you know, half a year away. They're not done yet. They still need a big man. I think we're going to see some really fun videos once, you know, workouts start, once boot camp starts. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. And I can't wait to keep talking about it with you because this is so much fun. I mean, thank you for interacting on Twitter. Obviously, anyone who sent me a tweet, like, thank you, thank you, Jonah and Steve, for your DMs. Hopefully next week, we'll have even more fun. I don't know if I'll talk as much college hoops, just because, I mean, we got to remember, it is, next week will be May. So we probably won't talk as much college hoops from here on out, now that the big questions we've had from the last couple weeks have been answered. But still, going to have a lot of fun here talking sports. For an hour, I am almost done with the show this week. We've got about 30 seconds left. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Hope everybody stays safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, get the vaccine when you can, 
And again, I look forward to talking with you again next Sunday here on WLUW 88.7 FM. Have a great week, everybody.